Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Stocks have crashed to a 22-month low. We are at our lowest levels since November of 2020. The fear and greed index is at extreme fear right now. Inflation still running pretty hot. 8% is a 40-year high. But unemployment is at a 50-year low. Uh, The Fed says that he's going to keep raising rates until the job is done. So that means pain for stocks. And people like me who have never looked at bonds have started Googling uh, how to invest in bonds. Did you see that the uh, one-year treasury is paying 4% right now? You can get 9.62% on an I-bond, which is insane, but not very helpful since you can't really buy many I-bonds. Meanwhile... Mortgage rates have also jumped. That $2,000 monthly payment that used to get you a half million dollar loan now only gets you $300K. Same payment, 40% less house. Economists can't agree whether we're actually in a recession or not. Central banks around the world are trying whatever they can pull together to uh, to pull these markets together. But our Fed determined to keep tightening. The Bank of England cranking out their money printer again. Uh, Asia is trying to prop up their weakening currencies. So What's next? Can the stock market finally find a bottom? Will retail, the dumb money, finally capitulate? Are things going to get worse before they get better? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Chris, you sent me an article this morning about a potential energy crisis in Europe this winter and pipeline sabotage. I mean, there's just so much. There's so much going on. Yeah, I I still think Dave, Europe is the hell that's coming, right? And and I I just can't seem to wrap my head around it. I probably read fifteen deep analysis reports on what could happen in Europe, you know, between December and February when winter hits, and it seems like it seems like there there's a small margin of error for Europe having a bad winter and maybe the biggest catastrophe that we've ever seen <laughs> ever ever i mean dave if if we get a a really really cold winter uh in europe it's possible that they just will not have the mean to maintain their industrial production across any of those countries and they're they're playing around with solutions right now and you you guys have probably seen in the news they just came up with their first kind of like you know patchwork measure to work together to essentially tax energy that's locally made and to essentially more or less basically cap all the pricing right so basically you can't price energy that's being produced right now in Europe above a certain level and if you do make over a certain profit, they're basically going to tax it at, I think, 33%. And they're redistributing that money to people to kind of 
you know, keep their energy costs within reason, going up 30, 40, 50, 60%, not going up three, four, five, six, 10X, right? But they can't do that for industry, right? They're doing that so that they don't have people riding on the street. The problem is there is no solution that I can find. And Jordan, you let me know if I'm wrong. There is no solution that if they have a super cold winter will prevent all of Europe from essentially completely shutting down, okay, come December, January, because you cannot import enough natural gas because they don't have the terminals to even convert enough <clears throat> natural gas, right? It liquefied natural gas back into natural gas. They don't have the capacity to do anything for at least probably 12 months, 12 to 18 months, right? Uh, they can't get their nuclear uh, online quick enough. Uh renewables just aren't enough to power their commercial and industrial production uh, through the brunt of winter. So as far as I can tell, the only thing that can be done is to essentially shut down all production in all those countries at some point this winter. And if that happens, hell is coming for everybody, for everybody. Because Jordan, do you get what, am I crazy, dude? Is there a solution here? That. Yeah, so I mean, when you're bringing up uh, nuclear and things like that, the problem here is the seeds were sown you know, a decade ago um, by, you know, wanting to back off from nuclear. Um, basically, society as a whole, especially in Germany, said, no, we're not doing nuclear. Um, and, um, and then again, in Germany, wanting to, you know, rely on Russia for natural gas, right? And so... You know, I, I don't – scrambling now is just not going to help the situation. But, but Jordan, yeah. Jordan, the kicker, the kicker was always in the worst of all worst-case scenarios. Some one or more countries can fold on Russia, right, and, but the, and then just start buying that, buying that gas again. The problem is with this explosion that happened, what, a week ago? Dude, that just – whoever did it, whether Russia did it, whether it was this, like, conspiracy for the U.S. to do it so that nobody can fold on Russia, like, it, or whether it was just totally random. It really doesn't matter yeah, at this point. it doesn't matter. Because in, because now – The problem can't is you can't fix overnight. that stuff very right. quickly, right? And so even if they do fix it, I mean, it's a big problem. Just letting seawater into those lines – you know, I'm really, not sure that it can be fixed in short right. order from what I'm reading. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah, that it can. I, I don't think so. Because you've got corrosive effects. Is anybody factoring that in? Like, is anybody – this is this is like a big deal, right? Like, like uh, you, Chris, you've just now stressed me out more. I've already been stress level eight. You just took me to a nine. Well, and so here's the thing that we're not talking about. I didn't about. need the this. The strong dollar is making this – even worse, right? And so you're having um, these countries basically have to sell their U.S. bonds, which are dropping in price, to be able to pay for things with a stronger dollar, which are so things are more expensive. And so people are burning through, you know, these countries are burning through. Uh, it's not, it's not a good situation. It's a debt crisis, also. Well, okay, so there's a couple. Yeah, there's all kinds of like linked issues. One being yes, the U.S. dollar. I mean, if you're an American company and you sell anything in Europe right now, you're having to convert right that revenue back into us dollars so you're actually earning well not less. just that but you're having to sell your bonds to be able to do that right? and so you're selling your bonds at a depressed level um with rates as high as they are so it's a, it's like a double whammy well, well not to mention the fact that if we have this energy at a certain point 
at a certain point, the European governments can only do so much to kind of hold the pricing down on energy. And they, you know, people, there will be layoffs, right? If, if production shuts down in Europe, there will be panic in the streets. And at that point, there will be no purchasing of discretionary goods, right, across Europe. And that will further completely kind of collapse a lot of our global companies here that are relying on a certain segment of their business is obviously European. I just think there are way, and I, listen, I'm like a, I'm like a broken machine. I say the same thing over and over again. There are way more questions than answers. If we know one thing about our, about our market guys, it's that when there are huge unanswered questions and nobody it's when it's unprecedented and guys, this is unprecedented. There are many analysts that are saying that this is worse than the 1970s oil crisis because at least then it was just oil. Okay, now it's it's a, everything over there. Like there's not a single solution to this that I don't think anybody conceive that will potentially allow us to get through December, January, and February. <clears throat> if and this is a big if, right? If we have a really cold winter or just a cold winter throughout Europe. I, I, there's no solution. I don't see how the market recovers in any meaningful way until we start to get some answers. And, and what could the answers even be? Jordan, what at this point, other than a nice warm winter, right, where we're like, hey, you know, like we're kind of okay. Like we can just kind of battle our way through and some resolution with Russia or um, the pipeline is fixed or, um, hey, you know, they finally start to vote in measures to say we're going to expand uh, our imports of natural gas. We're going to increase our ability to take in more natural gas and we're going to start signing contracts because honestly, there is an incredible amount of natural gas all around Europe, right? It's not just the U.S. that can export. There are a numerous, numerous supply chains for natural gas should Europe ever decide to just be okay with that for some intermediary period of time, even if it's five. Yeah, the years, thing is, you don't just years. turn that on, though, right? So this is they're sowing. You've it got sown seeds over a decade of basically, you know, underinvestment in domestic, you know, European domestic natural gas uh, exploration, right? And, and so, and, and it's a, it's political. It's political. So I don't see that changing overnight. Do you? Like, like even this last week, I think um, they had opportunities to purchase more natural gas significantly and at least secure um for the next 12 months and they chose not to they chose just to get some immediate you know short super short-term relief i do i don't I see... interrupt. So this, we've got comments coming up that you know basically the the only difference between now and winter for natural gas usage is heating and that we don't understand that we understand that it's more demand right and so yes. what the point <laughs> is you have to choose between electricity generation with the natural gas and heating people's homes, right? So what is the choice going to be? And yeah, I think we under, we, I think everybody here understands that uh, that Delta is due to heating in the winter. Of, of course, but I mean, they're already at the brink. They're already at the point of not having enough energy for production. And even small changes in demand from here on out could have a catastrophic impact. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, because Europe, listen, they can't agree with one another, right? You got 17 countries trying to come to consensus on policy. They cannot make decisions quickly. 
and they cannot make decisions unilaterally. And even if they make decisions, not everyone is going to necessarily comply. Well, different countries have different demand uh, curves. Different countries have different um, storage, you know, on hand. And so it's it's a complicated situation um, in that every country is going to have to deal with it in their own right. It's not just, you can't just blanket say Europe, um, even though obviously it's a bad situation for all of Europe, but yeah. It's it's undetermined just how bad it's going to be over the next six months. All I'm saying is that we don't know. So it, what it, do we do? Nobody. How, what is what is the play here? Like this is this I, is like a lot of information. I'll, but like, are we just standing by? Are we going to make yes. some kind of a move? Are standing by edging? is an awesome way to put it, Dave. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll tell you what my play is. Um, I've came to determination that. There's really one major variable, um, and the major variable is temperature. Uh, and, and I think this comes down to weather. I think so it's going to be a comes, weather play. I, th- I, think, I think it comes down to weather play. I think at a, we're at a point where European equity prices have come down so much that if you look historically, when equity prices in Europe have come down this much, there's been with with I think one major exception ex, uh, exception I think being the financial crisis right uh, they all snap back like double digit I was reading like 14 16 percent over the following 12 months so um, historically they're they're way 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 oversold so it's not like there's an obvious play to short Europe right here right that's a dangerous play right it's a dangerous play um, that said I do see a scenario where this potentially gets worse to the point of panic, right? Do we have a, an actual short-term market crash in Europe, right? Due to panic, that's probably caused by an ex- extreme weather situation that it actually gets dangerous because they have to figure out how to regulate what power they have. And essentially, industry completely shuts down. At that point, uh, energy prices fly through the roof, even with in- energy, even with industry shutting down. You have governments needing to print money then uh, to not only lower the price of energy for their citizen, but also for all their citizens that are now laid off because industry is shut down. It's a spiraling problem. It creates massive additional inflation. Okay, uh, and. I just think there's way too many questions. I think I can see a potential massive anomaly downside happening in Europe at some point this winter. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think it's it's definitely in the cards. So as long as that's in the cards, I'm not taking my hedge off. I my I am my account is hedged right now. I believe I technically have more money short just as a short in my than I have long. And I'm still really? losing some money when the market's down, right? Like I still lost, I think a minimal amount of money yesterday, right? But 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 it was, oh my gosh, Mike! If I weren't hedged yesterday, I'd be in total collapse. My account. So I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain that over the next few months. I, I've been saying this. Have I not been saying this since like March, like yeah. February, March? Like I'm just I'm just not playing macro markets. I I wish I would have played them on the short side, like like net short, but I didn't. I am going to continue this model of my account is essentially new and. The more exciting news out of this is I wanted to reveal to both you guys, I haven't told you this, um, over the past, I would say, eight or nine days, I have gone so deep into social arbitrating. Um, I think I think I've been up 
most mornings till like 2.30, 3.30 a.m., just literally diving so deep. Uh, and I think I found like six or seven social arb trades for this quarter. They're all long trades, okay? They're all long trades. And th- th- that's what's so ironic. When the so market's all, doing this, how in the world do we pull uh, off a social arb trade when you go okay, long, the market okay. goes you go up five percent one day and down ten percent the next? Okay, well let me you go say. Long let, short. Let, so let, if it's let, like let, a retail let, trade, you short the XRT in combination. That's, not, that's what I would do. But okay, but but I'm not. But 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 Jordan, the problem is, I want to go real trades. Like I want to. I want these to be levered. And you can balance it with a short on the other side, right? Find something to short against it. Yes, I'm already. I'm already massively. Short. Yeah, I, I only have so much money in my account. Is I'm already fully levered on like my my um margin to short my entire account for protection because i don't want to take my gains right for tax purposes here's what my plan is i'm gonna try i'm gonna attempt to replicate exactly what i did with the Lulu trade for those of y'all don't know we you know we had a massive trade on lululemon we had a show on it um i generated over 3x mid six figures trade i made 3x on uh and I was in that trade for 18 hours, okay? So I was in that trade for 18 hours. I got in that trade the day of earnings, and I got out that trade, excuse me, or the, the, yeah, the, the, the afternoon before earnings reported. And I was out of that trade, I think, two or three hours into the next mark. Um, it worked really well. As we can see, Lululemon has lost all those gains. So like, I'm now I'm more proud than ever that I stuck with that strategy of I had information. I thought they were going to blow out earnings. I had no idea what was going to happen up until the day of earnings because the markets and I have no idea what was going to happen starting a day after earnings because of the market. And so I decided not to participate in any of that. I'm going back to just trading earnings, meaning that I cannot enter these trades until more or less like 12 to 24 hours, maybe in some cases, 36, 48 hours before earnings, meaning that we can't have shows about these trades until 24 or 36 hours before earnings. Um, and I can't really reveal much because I just, I don't enjoy revealing what I'm working on. Uh, cause then people are going to mess with it. I, I, it will leak to hedge funds. I know it does. I know there's hedge funds that watch this show that watch me. I don't want to expose them to what I'm working on before I enter the trade, right? I just, I'm not going to do it, but I will, we will reveal all of them. I, I promise every single one of these trades will be revealed on dumb money. Uh, first, probably in the dumb money discord before our show, uh, and then I'll reveal them here because guys, I want to tell you something right now. I'm so freaking excited about these trades. I'm, I'm not going to say what companies, but I'm going to tell you essentially what I'm seeing. I'm seeing select companies in, let's just call it the consumer discretionary space that are having what appears to be record, record quarters, meaning I'm seeing web foot traffic just accelerating. I'm seeing search traffic accelerating. When I look at the narrative behind why this is happening, the brands uh, that these trades are affiliated with just happen to be trending really, really hard right now, right? In a positive way. So even while we have all this negative stuff happening in the world, um, it really is not impacting these select few companies that just happen to have products that the world really wants right now and they're small enough to where it's they don't necessarily need everybody in the world buying you know insane amounts of these products they just need a, a shift of people not buying other stuff and instead buying this stuff if that makes sense so these companies 
are correcting along with the rest of the market. Because when we have these sorts of markets, investors sell off indiscriminately. They just sell off everything, right? They, period. They sell off everything. And that presents massive opportunity because everything goes down, but not everything deserves to go down. When's the last time we saw something like that? COVID. Remember, mm-hmm. or, what was it? February, March of 2000. The market sold off everything. Well, guess what? There were stocks that were actually benefiting from the pandemic. Amazon, Shopify, Peloton, you know the names. The bicycle company we invest in, right? Like all of that stuff. Uh, there were things that were actually benefiting, but they were still getting destroyed because when we have these types of macro events, people panic and people are getting margin called and funds have to look for money. And so they're selling their winners to, you know, like to, to just, they you have to sell everything. And that's freaking amazing when you're able to find the stocks that are actually doing well. So, so what are we going to do? Wait. We're going to like do an impromptu show one day before earnings and then live stream earnings we can't do that much yeah yeah yeah. well listen i the live stream and earnings i you know maybe if it makes sense or or doesn't but i I want to do a show essentially i got to get my trade on because again i don't i've gotten to a point where i know certain very large investors and a couple very large funds and people on wall street that have been mimicking my trades or the second that I kind of, they see what I'm doing if they like it. Uh, and I don't want them messing with, these are the types of companies that they're not micro sized companies by any means, but there's only so much liquidity to go around in the option market. So I, I, I want to get my trade on first and then I'll share it. We'll share it with the community. We'll share the thesis and then the community can kind of make their own decision based on, you know, what they're hearing from us and their own research. But I will say this, guys, I'm more excited right now than I have been since 2020. Why? I'm looking at companies with single digit PEs that are freaking killing it. Single digit PEs. A lot of these companies had PEs that were double or triple or quadruple during their peak, right? Over the past couple of years. Now they're all down to unbelievable levels, right? And it's just so comforting when you could actually find a company that's doing exceptionally well that has gotten beaten down. That it's been a while, hasn't it? Hasn't it been a while since we've like been able to actually find companies that we love that are doing an unreal stuff that are trending, that have products or brands that are killing it, that their stock isn't completely overinflated. Because when we did this, you know, you know, the last year when we did this, it was like, gosh, well, I mean, to what extent does the market have this market already priced this information in? You don't know if they were pricing in the information that we found or if they were just pricing in the fact that all companies were inflated. So this one was too. And when the information that we um, surface comes to light in earnings, if it will get inflated even more, right? Like I'm, that was a really I'm hard trying to, trade. I'm trying to like, guess what it is you're talking about. And I'm, I'm searching some stocks that I think they might be, but I'm not finding the single digit PEs that was the... okay. I. I do want to talk about one company that I'm like on the fence on uh, because I think I think it's a re- I, and I want to throw this out to the community because I think it's it's probably honestly one of the most interesting trades this quarter. Um, but there are two sides to it. This is the type of thing where I think the community still got to do their own research. So Generac, if you pull the chart for Generac, um, Generac has come down in price so much it's absolutely insane. Part yeah, of the a, reason why it's Gener- a seven point nine uh, EPS. It is a twenty two uh, PE though. 
Yeah, 22 PE. But the thing is, look at that chart. Look at the chart, the, the five-year chart on Generac. It's it's unreal. And here's what's so unreal about Generac. There was a short report that came out recently on Generac. And the short report was basically this. This company is shady. This company has been going out the past year and acquiring all of these ESG companies, right? These clean energy companies. Generac is like buying and partnering and investing in companies that are in the clean energy space. And the CEO does not have, according to the short report, does not have the competence to, to pivot the Generac business in all of these areas. And they're basically doing all this as a smoke shield to kind of like, you know, kind of confuse the market because the core Generac business is about to be in major trouble because Generac was actually a pandemic company. And the only reason why Generac had those insane sales were due to the pandemic, due to all the excess money that was out there in the world and people buying expensive generators. Well, now you have a reversal of that. Who has the money to buy expensive generators anymore? And on top of that, all of the portable generators, the ones that you see at Home Depot and Lowe's, the little small ones that you can buy just for like, you know, to, to heat up a, a one room maybe or like a fridge or something like that. There is more competition than there's ever been with those tiny portable generators coming from China, coming from around the world. And Generac recently had to reduce the price of their portable generators by 20%. So Generac is seen as a huge short. But on the flip side, on the flip side, okay, I am seeing data for Generac at all-time highs. I'm seeing their web traffic just continue to accelerate month over month. We are seeing uh, search trends recovering here due to this latest storm in Florida. That is yeah. a major, major yeah, I mean, they're, they're just a, Every time there's a natural disaster, that risk pops up in people's mind and they are top of mind. And especially in Texas, when you start thinking about winter, um, we've had two really tough winters here in Texas. And yes. I personally have a neighbor that just put in a Generac generator this summer. So they... People are still doing it. It's not. This is not a dying trend for generations. Ready for this, Jordan? Also, energy independence yeah. is starting to become a hot topic. You know what's funny about Europe it, though? So, big. like when the when the um, so these Generac generators, if people don't know, they're it's not like a diesel generator. I mean, so they are supplied by the natural gas line that comes to your house. Yeah. During the winter storm, um, one two years ago in Texas, uh, we actually lost natural gas pressure and electricity at the same time, and so it really wouldn't have helped. Um, well, that, that, not that, that doesn't always happen, but it is, you know, you're not guaranteed still to have a lady with them. that. That's a, that was a super anomaly event. Yeah. Um, and also the, you can get ones that are, that are propane, you know, propane fuel. Yeah, as you well. can. Sure. Um, right. But, but, but here, here's the thing. Let me, let me just finish. I think you got to keep a huge propane tank somewhere. So I'm seeing data with Generac that looks outstanding. Generac has been working for, I think a year and a half, two years on essentially doubling. Do you remember this story? We did it like a year ago, doubling their manufacturing capacity. That is like almost complete. And the short report sees that as a huge negative, right? Because they're about to have all this extra capacity, but not the demand, where if you believe the demand is there, it's an enormous positive that Generac is about to produce more generators by a wide margin than they've ever been able to produce. The data that I'm looking at 
appears to tell me that that, that it's that it's there okay that the demand is still there regardless regardless of uh you know the economy and all this stuff happening also there's another thesis related to generac that is super interesting jordan i want to get your opinion on this so the thesis is generac part of their business that's not sexy that nobody talks about right is the or are, are these commercial generators these huge huge generators right that basically have like train engines or something like that like it just it's absolutely insane and those generators have been growing at a really small clip so it's like a very slow growth business they've been in this business forever right but the, the all the talk about putting a ev station across america in rural areas across america where we don't necessarily have power electric enough electric power for all these ev stations in really remote areas that they will need these large and they and they have been buying these large generac power converters to essentially produce electricity with gas right and and, and so they're they're highly pollutant right they're terrible for the environment but the bottom line is if you're in a rural area and people that have their teslas and they have all their evs they want to go to natural parks they want to go to areas of the country and they need to have ev stations everywhere that there's a massive cycle a massive cycle that's going to last years and generac is companies that can produce these insane generators that are going to, have to be put all around the world, all around the country to actually make energy for these EV stations. That's kind of another whole thing. Okay. But energy, energy CX is saying that's insane that all the EV stations are on the grid. That is not true from I, I, that it, it's the, the EV stations are supposedly not all on the grid. So they're already, from what I understand, this has already been driving Generac business the last 18, 20, right? From what I understand. So the, first of all, when you say something like all, it's never an all, right? Like all. Yeah, I mean, anything <laughs> you like, see, like any, any EV station that's in a metro area would be tied off the grid. Um, we're not talking about metro areas. Yeah. I'm not talking, right. we're talking about deep, rural, uh, we're trying to put EV Yeah, that stations. might be the case. I don't know. I've never, and, I, I you know, I, I don't know that. Here's the press release from Generac. They did uh, unveil their new charging solutions for utilities and EV owners. Yeah. So, again, it's a thesis. The community could poke holes in the thesis. Okay, great. Please poke holes. Um, or, but it's a thesis that is going to drive a huge division of Generac that is probably not really appreciated. But I think the bigger thesis for Generac is just the continuation of this concept of energy independence in many cases might even be irrational. Um, but I think 5%, I think Generac said something like 5% of single family homes ha have access to a generator, which sounds like a lot, but I think that most of them are shocking. in a very- I would not peg that at 5%. Well, well, I think Jordan, the majority of them are in a very small area of the Northeast. Or is that like include um, like little battery backup solutions, something like that? Probably, probably. Yeah, that prob prob that's and, not and that's all the these like um, natural gas installation like you have. Um, Correct. I, I do want to read a text. Um, I do want to read a text because this, this is kind of what made me kind of look back into to Generac again, because my buddy Ryan, uh, who's, a, who's a fairly large builder here in Texas, did text me on September 21st, who do you use to install your generator? 
because he's having clients asking him about whole home generators. Yeah. And I told him who we use and stuff. But like, I'm telling, like, I was like, huh, like, man, this generator, it, it's, it's still going on. Like the search traffic is still there. The web traffic is dead. Going to generac.com is. Well, just think about there. all the crazy natural events that we've had between Texas and, you know, um, over the and, past and, two years in the in the Midwest this year when they got crazy flooding, um, it's but, it's always. But Jordan, what I'm saying and is specifically, he's stop. building in Texas, and Texas right. Energy Grid has failed before and hasn't really. They haven't done much, if anything, to make it better. They've done nothing, right? And so yeah, but but guys, you know, like I said, Florida, right? Like like you know, this whole incident in Florida is going to be another another kind of tailwind uh, for Generac. I, the yeah, the issue... weird thing about Florida is, um, you know, do these, I mean, obviously, I guess if you're flooding the, anyways, but well, well, just, I mean, the grid being knocked down. You if you're, yeah. we're, in a, we're in a situation with Generac, it's going to go one way or the other because right. this manufacturing is coming online, guys. It's yeah. coming online. So Generac is either about to, really accelerate continue to accelerate their revenue next year and beyond yeah. or this short report is accurate and there's some shady things happening at the company the app yeah do you know who wrote the, i need to read the short report do you know who, who yeah. was it who was it uh i'll 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 text it to you i don't have it offhand but it's like yeah, if I'll you look just it look up. at generator short report, I you Google generator short guys it wasn't hindenburg or any of the big um, they were, I think it was one of the larger ones. Yeah. It was not okay. them, but it was one of the larger ones, but it, it from They're what I understand, it was very well written, very well. I read it. I read the summary of it. I didn't read the whole report. I read the summary of the report and the thesis seemed, was it Spruce Point Capital? Yeah. Spruce Point yeah. Capital. Spruce Point okay. Capital. There it is. But so what I love it. about this is they laid out a short thesis that might, but has definitely contributed to bringing down this company. And if they are missing, a lot of times when people put on like their short glasses, they kind of they kind of just look back their own case, right? And they're not looking at the long the long case, right? But I'm telling you, there are things happening at Generac that if if they can pull this off with you know continuing to kind of see demand here in the U.S. Well, they doubled their production capacity, right, Chris? What? Didn't they double their production capacity? Didn't they? Yes. It's not fully prepared. I don't think it's fully ready yet, but I think it's coming online. This is a company that at these levels, at a 21, 22 PE, with the growth and the earnings that they're able to put together with that increased manufacturing capacity, it's a super interesting story. And what I love about Generac, you can kind of see the search frequency. You can call up these. There's only like a dozen big Generac distributors right there's like a dozen big ones that are like you can call them up and be like hey how long does it take to get a generac whole home general and they'll be like we can install one next week or they'll be like no you're gonna wait three months or two months it's not like it's hard to get insight into how the company is doing right over the next quarter so it's something that our community can dig into uh, I think there might be some areas of their business like portable generators that perhaps yeah they're having to lower their prices because there's a lot of competition from Asia. Um, at the same time, if there's a ton of people going for those in places like Florida, it could all even out. I'm more focused on whole home generators or larger generators and also these commercial generators, the industrial generators that because they're I think- doing more than just generators too. They're doing solar, they're doing storage solutions, they're like that, that grid division that sh- I saw the first release. That's but, but that's, that's all new the to me. Part, I- but that's the part that the short report says is smoke and mirrors 
they're it's it they're not it's not going to contribute to anything. In fact, that was the warning that Generator Generac had this last earnings. I believe was that due to margin pressure because they considered these companies startups and they weren't going to really be able to deliver on earnings for longer than they anticipated. Well, the short report basically says, well, hold off. The average age of these companies that you're investing in, partnering and acquiring are 15 to 20 years old. They are not startups. Well, I think Generac would come and say, well, you know what? This kind of, this this space in energy, uh, you know, in, in clean energy, even if these companies are 10, 15, 20 years old, it's still a new space. It's an emerging sector and it still should be treated like a startup. So I kind of see both sides. Like I see both sides, but I don't think that you need to even worry about that piece if you're Generac. I think if hey. Generac keeps delivering on their standard products, they'll crush it the next two years. They're, uh, they're citing a YouTube it. channel for some of the uh, the research here. Solar Surge Wait, this? YouTuber. This, this is in the uh, short report. The, uh, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> the most viewed me. video comparing the Tesla Powerwall and the Generac PowerCell. <laughs> the 7.7 thousand likes are a, a key indicator that this is a serious report. Um, now I have less faith in the short report if they're <laughs> referencing random users. No, now this that, that's on page 104 though. I mean, this is like, I'm, I'm just like scanning through this. I, I will have to actually sit down and read this. Um, but interesting. Yeah, stuff but here. It, it, it is interesting, but 104 pages seems too long for a short report. Oh no, like, that was where that like, was on the, uh, the total report is a hundred and there's the last page. It's just a picture. 144 pages. Doesn't it seem like when you do a short report that, that that's that's that long, you're just trying to look and pull anything that could possibly be a negative for the company. I would have more respect for the short report if it was about one thing. And they're like, hey, we found this one thing that no one else appreciates that's gonna take that that's literally gonna take the company down. And I'd be like, Well, hold on, let me see what this one thing is, and I can either agree with it or not. If you're gonna like take out the kitchen sink and keep poking, oh, and management sucks. And this sucks. And this company that they bought last year is a fraud company. And this is that. And this is that. Like, at some point, I'm like, okay, you're just trying to kind of come up with infinite use cases for why the company sucks. Meanwhile, are you looking at the long case, right? Like, I, I, I would have more respect for them. And I'm not saying they didn't do this. But I want to understand what the long thesis, how is it wrong? Like, I'm continuing to see demand. I think the only thing I've read there, in the summary at least, is that... It's a pan, it was a pandemic company and this demand can't last and it won't last with an economic downturn. People are not going to spend $5,000, $20,000, in my case, $35,000 on a whole house generator when they're laid off, when they're hurting, when it's just a totally different environment. And they yeah, I think, that, I think that's a mistake, right? I, I, look, I think the guy that's buying this thing is the, you know, I hate to say this, but like, you know, if you go into a recession... That means you get laid off. You go into a depression. That means your boss is laid off. But like the boss, I feel like is the guy getting the Generac and he's got the disposable <laughs> income. He's going to do it um, regardless. Right. Is that, uh, is that a, a I, I mean, I kind of agree. I think that this is one of those higher price point. You know, we see, we see the discount stores do worse than we see the luxury brands. I think of at least in the residential unit, I think that Generac is a luxury item. Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, I don't know. I'm just saying this is one that I'm not trading actively right now, but I'm keeping an eye on because if there is 
another uh, one or more really big storms this winter that again contribute to that tailwind of generac demand like that could be enough for me to be like okay I'm all in, dude. Like, like, and I'm. I'll start calling Generac dealers, and I probably should start doing this now. And if I start seeing that, hey, they just cannot fulfill demand with supply, even with some of this new supply coming on board, that is just a telltale sign. I don't really care what happens to the you know battery company that Generac invested in, or the solar company that they bought. Or any of the weird, stupid stuff that they're doing in, in that. Not to say it's that stupid. Like maybe they will pull it together and they'll be a big clean energy company in 20 years. But I don't care about that this year or next year for Generac. If Generac, Generac has the ability to potentially put up record numbers in the next one to two years with this increased capacity. If they're putting up record numbers, watch out. With the stock down 75, 80% from, from its peak, I mean, this thing, this thing could potentially fly. It's something to be on everyone's radar. That's all I'm saying. Um, I'm not. But are you now. are you looking at it at earnings time? Are you looking at some kind of a result of I, this driving it down even further? Are you looking for the it, Fed to find the U-turn and then you're you do buying trade, you all buy of these depressed stocks, industrials, or something like that? I mean, I know. No, I'm I'm not. It's not one of the six stocks I'm looking at trade order yeah. for earnings. It's just one. It's just one that I thought was really interesting. I wanted to surface it for the community because if the short report is wrong or if they're missing something or it, this is a stock that can run really, really hard. And by the way, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, is it a pandemic stock or is it not? That's all you have to, that's all you have to know. Like it was a pandemic stock that benefited from all the you know, excess I think money. Maybe you could argue that part of it was a pandemic stock. I don't think it's a pandemic company. I think, I it's think, a, I think it's uh in an, and look, I've been reading some of these comments and, you know, people are talking about that uh, it's a grid reliability company. And I do agree with that to a certain extent, especially with all the natural disasters and issues that we've had um, in yes. the power grid, especially in Texas. Okay, so so that's what I'm getting at, Jordan. I feel that it's a culture play on a shift towards energy yeah. independence. And when I say energy independence, I mean energy independence for your yeah, company. Yeah, you're not really, you're not really off the grid, right? Because you're still reliant on that natural gas uh, grid portion. Um, unless you do propane or they make diesel, but people aren't buying it. But in, in Jordan, in most cases, in most cases... When the electric goes down, the gas is running. Not all, but most cases. Well, it depends on down. why the electricity goes down, right? Is it yeah. because there's a freeze up in natural gas like there was in Texas? But yeah, and, no, I and do. And for how long? Like a, a power wall would have probably gotten you through most of the uh, that the worst storm in a hundred years in Texas. Uh, right? What, like a week? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty big not power not wall all on, but like th- yeah. that would have kept your. Uh, enough heat on so that you, your pipes don't no, burst. So the problem is most people's heat in Texas is natural gas. There are, there's some electric, but you use a ton of electricity to heat a house if you do have electric heaters. And so, no, I mean, I, I disagree with that. You need the natural it, gas. It would keep, it would keep your food, it would keep your food good. I mean, it would keep, yeah, it would you keep, keep your refrigerator running. Yeah. You keep your or refrigerator you running. And I think it would keep the furnace that is natural gas powered still uses electricity to, for the, fan right the motor yeah, the for blower the, yeah for the pilot and for the for, or for the so, yeah the electrical components so yeah. yes as long as you don't have a natural gas outage and you have a, a little bit of power that that i think that the, all i'm saying is you could prevent all of the damage that happened from pipes bursting yeah yeah okay well maybe yeah. And again but like talk about pools right so pools take a lot, lot of electricity to run the 
the pump and that would drain down the power wall pretty quickly. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's complicated. But here's the bottom line. People want energy. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a luxury, but it's something that people want. And the more people in your network that get a Generac, it, it sells itself. It sells itself because when someone has it, they're like, oh, I have a whole home generator. Oh, really? How's that working out for you? Pretty awesome. Remember when the power went out? We were totally good. We were watching Netflix. We were good. We had our fire going. We we're heated. We're like, we, our life was completely normal. It's like it never even went out. But like, how much did that cost? Can you recommend something? Like, we, I'd like to do that. And it just sells it. You don't have to run commercials. You don't have to advertise. It just sells itself. And Generac literally like owns that whole host, that whole home market. They guys, they like they own it. And and that's the business where they're starting to add software, they're starting to add service, they're starting to add other elements to that business. And it's I'm telling you, I don't think people realize just the psychological like element of people not wanting to be reliant on, you know, the energy grid and to have some independence. It makes them feel good. Even Jordan, even if Jordan is right, and a lot of the times uh, gas is going to come down with it, it really doesn't well, I think matter. That's a case, I think that's a special case for Texas, right? A Texas winter yeah. issue. Um, but no, I mean, so like if you talk about, uh, you know, like the hurricane, that has nothing to do with gas supply. Um, by the way, Jacob Strange, thank you so much for pointing out. I have not looked at our old Moissanite play, CTHR, in a while. But he says Moissanite and lab-grown diamond are are continuing to trend on Google search. I don't know that that's true or not. But, okay, so I, I want to say what I – how did I get to the point <laughs> – yeah, that's Charles and Govard. I finally did sell that thing a while ago, thank goodness. But, um, uh, by the way, we were in on the front end of that run-up on Charles and Govard. <laughs> that was one hell of a trade. Hey, I I, you know what? We saved my, I've got a good friend. I won't tell you who it is, uh, but they lost their uh, engagement ring. Um, and so instead of going and buying a full full diamond, they bought a, like a generic, you know, I hate to say fake diamond, but like a lab grown or a moissanite or something yeah. like that and saved tons of money on the replacement. I'm super proud of that. I just think Dude, diamonds are such a waste. That is, that such is a waste. so awesome. Such a waste. That is so awesome. Um, guys, I have to go here in like five minutes. I have a <laughs> meeting that just started. Well, I want to say something. I, before we before we end this episode, I want to say that how did I come up with six stocks that I found, okay, um, for this quarter that we will talk about on Dumb Money Shows and over the next four to six weeks. Um, I have been probably spending three to four hours a night, like I usually do, essentially searching every single TikTok comment, right? Everything that's trending. But what I've also been doing is just going through every single company and pulling Google search trends on their big brands, on their products. Uh, I also have access, as everyone knows here, to uh, web uh, traffic data that goes back a couple of years. So I can see year over year data um, going back to 2020 uh, for web traffic. And I've been pulling literally when I say, thousands of charts, thousands and thousands of web traffic charts looking for anomalies. And I'm seeing, I, so I probably checked 500 companies and of the 500 companies, I found six or seven. So I was like, Oh my goodness, they're still popping right now. Even though their stock is going down, like everyone, else. like they're popping in terms of search trends for their products and brands. Um, and the web traffic is continuing to shoot up over the course of, you know, late August and September. And we'll see if it continues over October. Then when I research, okay, why are people searching these brands? Why are they going to these websites? Uh, I'm looking at, you know, 
articles about you know why consumers are loving this particular brand i'm seeing fashion articles about this certain you know brand popping so it's really fascinating then i'll start to go into TikTok and i'll read comments about what people are saying about these particular brands start kind of building that narrative thesis around what's happening so it's not just like a weird data anomaly there's an actual narrative and a thesis around oh my gosh Everybody wants to buy this thing right now because so-and-so a celebrity or influencer or so-and-so is wearing it. Now it's cool. Or there's a cultural shift towards a certain type of clothing this winter, right? And this company happens to be the one company to benefit most from that. So, I mean, we, we talk about that a million times in the show, but I just want to remind everyone that's kind of the process that we go through to surface, you know, observational investing opportunities or social arb investing opportunities. And I, I am excited to have found a few of them and we will dive deep in them over the course of the next four to six weeks when the time is appropriate. I promise we'll discuss them on this show. Perfect. Well, one other question. Uh, you're not in your normal location. Let's tell people where you are. Yes. Why you're... Uh, I'm in, I, I'm in Vegas and uh, I'm at the traders for a cause event, which is a super cool event benefiting charities where a bunch of traders come and speak. And then other people pay money to come hear us speak. I'm speaking about uh, investing uh, on TikTok, right? So how I leverage TikTok comments to find great investments, but they got me a really cool room here. Check out this view of the, there's the wind. Oh, that's a great <laughs> view. Wow. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool, man. So uh, that's that that that's my view. I checked, and, and the uh, event is sold out, so uh, we can't. Uh, no, no point in sending people to yeah. it unless they're streaming that's the golf it. Course sure. at the Traders wind. for a cause. Is, I still, I want to. Play, I don't play a lot of golf, but I've always wanted to play that golf course. I think it's just on right on the strip before they destroy it, which I heard they're going to do. Um. Anyway, see, so yeah, I'm I'm speaking here, uh, and then I'll be back in Texas and. Uh, We'll be back next week for sure. But listen, guys, I, I just want the community to know I'm working harder than I've ever worked. Uh, and I'm more excited than I've been in a long time. I think I might have found some good social arm trades. I think they're as good, maybe better than the Lululemon trade uh, that we made a few weeks ago. And I can't wait to kind of share them with the community. And we should also uh, take a look at the uh, high conviction trade docs that have been coming out. I saw Ben posted one about the cyberpunk anime series on Netflix. He has a high conviction doc. If you're not a part of the Dumb Money Discord community, go to dumbmoney.tv slash discord for your invite. It's absolutely free. None of us will ever ask for any money for any reason. So if anyone does, they are a spam bot and not really us. Uh, more and more of those keep popping up. Um, I got guys. All right. We are Dumb Money. Thanks for watching. We will see you next week. Have a good weekend.